Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and on this episode, I get to welcome Luke Adams back to a conversation on Psalm 33. One thing about Luke that I particularly appreciate and wanted to mention in this introduction is Luke is fun. Luke is both ready for a laugh and makes me laugh, which personally, I think when it comes to the Psalms, that's a really valuable combination with how many different kinds of emotions are bubbling. Well, let's get to the episode. Let's begin with Luke reading Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations and he thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all his great strength, it it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Luke, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Thanks, Matt. So good to be back. Well, yes, back, I guess, is a relative term, because as you know, because you saw my notes with with the (laughs) banter. You, I'm this is that. our longest distance recording to date. All of our recordings except two have been at a distance, and those two are with Rachel, my wife, since yeah. I could do those at our <laughs> kitchen table. But none have been as far apart in physical distance as you and me right now. Well, this is like a nationwide like phenomenon happening, and it's starting right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get ready. This we're, is Yeah, this is good. <laughs> we're sweeping the nation. Coast to coast. <laughs> coast to coast. I do want to tell listeners, because Luke is in D.C., are we allowed to, are we allowed to say that? Are we yeah. allowed to say your oh, location? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to be giving away any, any state secrets. Because Luke is in D.C., his equipment is different than what we usually use. So if you notice any audio issues, Luke has gone on record to me privately and promised that he will refund every penny that you paid for this episode. Absolutely. So, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I did check on iTunes before what the cost of this uh, podcast was, so I, th- I think I can do that. <laughs> well, Luke, I'm grateful to get to do this with you, whether we are near or far. Mm-hmm. But we can still talk about the Psalms, because the beauty of the Psalms, right, is they transcend both time and place. So yeah. Whether east or west, north or south. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
Let's dive into Psalm 33 with our first question, which is simply this. What stood out to you in reading this psalm? Yeah, Matt, I think that's, that's as always, a great question to begin with, right? And a lot of things stood out to me. But yeah. I, guess, I think the main thing that I noticed was just that it seems to me, and I'm curious to know what you think too, but it just seems to me like this is very much a psalm and song and prayer and poem of praise. Like it's very much God-centered. This is not about anxiety. This is not about anger. This is not about my emotions or your emotions. This is about God and going, and really going into who, who God is and what he means for the world and us. And it goes into a lot of different aspects of God, yeah. which is really cool. And it, it covers a lot of territory, but all in one sort of poem, which is, yeah, really quite quite something. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that. I, I hadn't quite picked up on kind of, it's got a pretty consistent tenor, doesn't it? Mm. Which if we think about Psalms, I know when I talk with Aaron, he will often talk about trying to identify the turn in a psalm, so to mm-hmm. speak. And that's maybe more prevalent, especially in kind of lament psalms. But this this psalm doesn't take a turn. Like the first verse is sing joyfully to the Lord. And it is playing that note all the way yep. through, isn't it? It's yeah. not really about our emotions. I thought that, yeah, that's particularly insightful. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the only the closest thing to a turn is going to talk about, you know, without God, there's, you know, you really can't do well. Like you need God. Yeah. Like we need God. And I think that's the only turn, but it's still, you know, it's about the Lord. It's about God. And it's a song of praise. Yeah. This is leading us further in, but the thing that particularly stood out to me, and like you said, there's a lot here really (laughs) that is standout worthy, which is true of any psalm, I guess. But the scope of this psalm feels particularly big, Hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think... I think it's partly because what you're saying, it's a psalm praising God, and God is particularly big. I thought about Kevin just this past Sunday is preaching from Psalm 138, which one verse in there says, the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly, the lofty, he sees them from afar. But emphasizing, he was talking about this game you play with kids, like, how big is little Billy? Billy is so big. And the idea that God is so big. And as I read this psalm, I was thinking about that sermon, just the the resonance of the, the bigness, but also the certitude of God and what he does, particularly verse 10 and 11. <laughs> yeah. The Lord, this <laughs> yeah. makes me laugh. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. It's like the best laid plans come to nothing, but it's only the plans of the Lord that stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart mm. through all generations and just this deep reality. I mean, I guess this is talking about God's sovereignty, right? He is yeah. over and above all. And we may have sort of our strategies and our plans and whether it's about life or even how we manage a certain thing, mm. but there is no sense in which that can ever not be a part of what God is doing in the world, which I think can be simultaneously like kind of scary But this psalm, I think, is also really helping us see, like, there is something freeing and glorious and wonderful about that. Yeah, like, that's not only, like, acknowledging the fact that, yeah, you have no control, Uh but that's okay. Like, so that Uh you kind of, you need both of those things, because if you just end on you have no control, well, I think... We can all pretty easily run into a panic-driven life. I think we can all, you know, step into that. It won't be fun, but I think we can do it. But so it's, yes. it's great that it has that both, though you have no control, but rest assured there is someone who does have control. Yeah. And I think, like, you're talking about being coast to coast. And really, you're near the capital of the most populous state in the U.S., and I'm near the capital of the U.S. So we're very much in a places where... 
you know, plans are kind of, you know, what people do and what people make yeah. a living in. Making plans uh -huh. for the nations, making plans for companies, making plans for whatever it is. And there's a lot of good plans out there, but it, I think this is a interesting reminder in these sort of centers of power and planning that ultimately you can't count on these plans that you're making. It's good to make those plans, but you know, it's right. That's not your ultimate hope, hope, right? That's, that's helpful. I think. And you naming, it's good to make those plans. Like a horse is a vain hope for deliverance. It's not saying mm -hmm. don't ride a horse, right? <laughs> it's just saying, don't, don't put your ultimate trust in a horse. Right. <laughs> I was struck. I've never actually read the play, but a King Richard the Third, I think it is, struck me when I was reading this. My uh, a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. Here he is with his armies falling before him. If only I had a horse, everything would be right. okay. But he's ready to sell his kingdom for it, yeah, and yeah. pretty soon he's just gonna have a horse, and that's not gonna last <laughs> forever, right? <laughs> so, like, I think yeah. that's it's just a reminder, Richard. You know, don't put all your hope in that horse or in that whatever uh -huh. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this psalm, Luke, it's kind of hard to talk about what stood out to us without talking about God himself, since mm -hmm. the psalm, as you said so well, orients entirely around God in so many ways. But we can talk more about God, so let's ask a <laughs> question. Let's do it. <laughs> what do we learn about God from this psalm? Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that struck me... I think it's verses six through hmm, six through nine for sure. And then I think yeah. it might be related 10 through 15 mm -hmm. might even be like a response to that or like two stages I kind of see. So what I kind of see is this as it just really reminded me of the creation story. Like here is yes. God created the world and now, so that's maybe six through nine and yeah. then 10 through 15 He's watching it. And and just the way the psalmist talks about this, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. He gathers the waters into sea into jars. I imagine like a little kid on a beach pulling in sand, building sand castles, and then just kind of looking. And then the next verses are looking at that sand castle or maybe a mm -hmm. hobbyist who tinkers with whether it's like models or Legos or uh, woodwork, you're kind of crafting this thing and spending a lot of time on it. And then afterwards you watch, whether it's a, if it's a machine, maybe you watch it, or if it's just an item, you look at it and go, okay, wow, look what I did yeah. there. And I, I just kind of imagine God in kind of that, whether it's a child or a hobbyist or you know whatever it is, kind of in that place with the whole world, of course, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, slightly different scale, but the analogy holds nicely. Yeah, It's so funny you say that, Luke, those, uh, those exact verses stood out to me and I had the exact same note that it makes me think of God as like a playful child. Mm. When the psalmist says, their starry host by the breath of his mouth, it made me think of when I was a kid and walking to the bus stop on cold Sydney mornings. And when you breathe out the condensation of your breath, you can yep. see it, right? Like yep. fogs up. And I just remember like feeling like a dragon or something. Like here I was like yeah. breathing smoke out, right? And you feel kind of powerful and like, oh, this is so cool. And that image was just triggered by verse six and thinking of God just like, here's a puff of stars. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. man, how fun. And then, yeah, I love you talking about kind of gathering the waters of the sea on the beach. You can imagine sort of digging uh, little, you know, tunnels yep. or whatever the case yep. might be. I find this fascinating that you kind of had some of the similar images. Like there's a lot of play in those creation verses. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's very playful. And I was trying to think like, how do you put this? I think some of it is God is childish 
Mm. in sort of the holiest, best sense of the word, right? Where children reveal to us something really deep and true about a way that we're called to be in the world. But when I thought about that, I was like, yeah, I think this psalm like reminds me that God, God is childish. It's balanced, of course, by like, I mean, it's repeated in verse 9 and 11. What God spoke, what he commands, it stands firm. Mm, like, mm-hmm. the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. In yeah. some sense, I think that's opposite of our experience of children. Children can be kind of, uh, you know, a little fickle <laughs> and kind of moved on the waves of yeah. what they feel, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just imagine, like, if you've ever seen a kid, or I guess we've all been kids, where, you know, you're working on something really, really hard. And I think this can happen to adults, too where you kind of lose yourself, like time just flies Mm. by and three or four hours go. And I think as a kid, at least for me, that was easier to go into that world, whether it was building with Legos or outside doing stuff. Or for me, that was just this intensity and you know what you're doing matters in your own little world. And so like taking that and expanding it to, you know, the divine level, that concentration that I'm building something and that it's going to stand firm and this is going to last. It's quite cool. And yeah. Then, yeah. And I love too what you're saying, reflecting on kind of immediately what follows. Because one way to read 1015 is sort of reflecting on a completely different aspect mm. of God and his sovereignty. But I, I really appreciated the ways that you tied these together. It is the proud care of the creator mm. that is invested in the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful, Luke. Let's turn practical here at the very end. You know, this psalm that's all about praising God, that tells us so Mm. much about God. How does this psalm help us to pray? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think, yeah, so towards the end, actually at the end, at verse 20, we wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Maybe at the beginning, too, you could go through one through three as well. You're kind of praising the glory and majesty of God, and then you're ending on, all right, we've talked, we've we've gone through a list and a story, a poem of all the things that God does and has made, and here we are praising him, and then at the end we're like, and there's no hope in our own selves, so put your hope in God, which kind of, a lot of Psalms, I feel like, either end or work this in as well. I think there's a reason for that. But it's kind of like talking about the grand nature of God, the grand nature of his achievements, the grand nature of what he can do, and then reminding us how small we are and where we should put our hope, right? Which it's just a really reassuring ending in some ways. Like, it's not waiting anxiously. It's not being afraid. It's we're rejoicing. We're hoping when God has unfailing love, which mm. is quite reassuring. Yeah. I think it can be kind of in vogue in certain kind of streams of faith to highlight how faith can always incorporate and handle doubt, which I think is really true. And I believe that. And I think there's a gift to being able to doubt sort of within the church and that like God can handle our questions. Mm. And the Psalms show us that. But I think sometimes we can talk so much about that, that we begin to underemphasize the confidence and certainty that faith brings and that the goodness of God invites us into. And I love what you're saying. The landing place of this Psalm is this deep trust, even Mm -hmm. while we're recognizing our own inability. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We can't save ourselves. Oh dear. You're in trouble. I was kind of counting on me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it is okay. Right. And that's, that's part of the landing place too. Like that, that is okay. My plans may all fall apart. Yeah. And that is okay. 
Yep. That's quite a thing to even be able to pray, right? Yeah, it really is. And I like that, Matt, where you're talking about how I know for me, like the Psalms are a really nice place to kind of get at those doubts, get at those uncertainties, get at those mm. anxieties. And then this one is not about that at all, really. Yeah. And that's I like how it's all like it's the full range of human emotion. Right? Yes. Like you get yeah. all of that. And this is one of those things. This is the steadfastness. And I like too. It just struck me. You said the firm. We can. I think you said something about we can stand in the firmness of God or yeah, yeah, rest yeah. assured. There's, there's maybe some poetry going on there with you know he set right. the foundations of the earth and it is firm and he's setting the foundations yeah. new and is firm. And you know what? There's earthquakes in this world, right? And there's uh, yeah. earthquakes in our lives. So I think that there's just it's, it's true in both places, right? In our lives and in the world, mm, yeah. The firmness. Right. Yeah. The other thing that I was just reflecting on. And this, this is maybe a little bit of a digression from the psalm, but I was struck yeah. by verse 3. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, huh. and shout for joy. I was taken by the fact that the psalmist doesn't just say, play your heart out right. or something like that. <laughs> you know, play your best. Yeah. Like that. But it's really like, play skillfully. But, you know, I was thinking, okay, I read this. I'm not someone who plays skillfully. So I don't particularly have this as an option laid out to me. But that did make me start thinking about, okay, what are the areas where I do have skill and how can those things sort of become a prayer? In other yeah. words, become kind of a prayer that reflects a lot of these things, God's uh, creative play, God's uh, sovereign care, mm-hmm. God's choosing us, our inability to rule on our own. I, you know, I was thinking of my father-in-law who's about to retire from being an accountant, but I was thinking, you know, how does a well-prepared, complicated tax return, how could that be a kind of prayer, right, that yeah. mirrors Psalm, some of Psalm 33? Or, you know, I, I like to think of myself as an aspiring gardener. So how could <laughs> working in the garden, where I may not be playing skillfully, but, like, how can that become a kind of prayer? Yeah. So I just, to me, to me, like, those. it's funny how sometimes two words just trigger thoughts, right? But mm. for me, that kind of like made me think, oh, yeah, like there's a sense in which this psalm is something that can be marking all of our life. Mm. As we live in gratitude, like it becomes a kind of Psalm 33 reflection, right? And remembering sort of our dependence on God and not hoping in our own efforts that how can we honor honor him with the sort of skillful play yeah. of different things that we do. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's a bit of a digression. Certainly, the psalmist did not have U.S. tax returns in mind. Uh, right. When this was yeah, penned, that's but... Good. but I think, too, like there is a, like putting everything towards God. I think doing everything you do, you're doing it for God, even if it's something to me and maybe not to your father-in-law. But the tax return is a pretty mundane and joyless task. And it happens he every year. He might agree. He's about to retire. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, but I think there's a beauty to that. In a well-done tax return, you don't have to worry if you get audited or if IRS comes knocking. It's like, no, I got all my ducks are in a row. It's every form is filled out correctly. It's fine. Like there's there's a way in which I think even a tax return can you know sing skillfully or play skillful music. You know, (laughs) in such a beautiful way that you know makes our lives a lot better. Yeah, even even a tax return. I like even a tax return. <laughs> <laughs> well, Luke, any any final thoughts on Psalm thirty three? There's plenty here for for listeners to reflect on more. But any final thoughts on your end? Yeah, I think yeah, there's plenty plenty there. Just talking about you're not saved by the things of this world, mm-hmm. and I don't think 
you know, a lot of these metaphors are more, they're still can be used today, but not really applicable to our lives necessarily. I'm not really worrying about armies or horses, most of us anyway. But I think there's other right. things in which we think, oh, if only I had this, then everything would be solved. If only I had the right house or if only I had the right job, yeah. then everything's yeah. going to be okay. And that's just a, it's a refreshing reminder. It's like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't, it's, those are good things. But this isn't going to, mm-hmm. you know, give you everything you need. I will yeah. say, like, so it also talks about, so 12 through 15, I don't know how much we covered. But I think to us, maybe the message in 12, the first beginning or the first little part is, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Mm-hmm. Just yet another reminder of that, mm-hmm. that belonging and that importance of belonging yeah. to God rather than to the horses that we want or the, you know, houses that we want or whatever it is. Yeah, what is our identity, right? I mean, mm. some of this, mm-hmm. so much of this becomes kind of questions in some ways, I think, of identity and yeah. where do we, where do we place value? And I mean, honestly, I like the question is fundamental sometimes, like what do we think saves us? Mm. And yeah, is a nice suburban house going to save us? Actually, a lot of us live like it will, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. A lot of us live like it's the answer, right. even, even if we might not, not say that with our lips, uh, we, we live it out. But yeah, and this, this psalm is just a great reminder that that's not where hope is. But again, it goes back to the, the reassurance. It's not just you're in trouble. It's, but I got a solution yeah. for you. It's like the ultimate yeah. politician. If, if there was a pure <laughs> politician, a good, you know, someone who had no interests, no self-interest. And that's, I, you know, I, I don't mean that to diss on all politicians. But if, <laughs> if there was a 100% selfless politician yeah. And maybe there are on this planet. Maybe. But I think just, you know, given human nature, there's probably not. But I think if God was a politician, he'd be saying, there's a problem and I'm the solution. And in this yeah. case, it's true. Right? Uh-huh. And that's that's quite something. Yeah, it is. Well, that's a good note. Good note to end on right there. Thanks, Luke, for taking the time. All the way from D.C., the biggest time difference in recording, three hours. <laughs> We're marking all kinds of records here on the podcast. No, I really appreciate it. I enjoyed this conversation. So thanks so much. As did I. Thanks for having me again, Matt. And look forward to hearing the next ones. All right. Well, let's conclude with these opening verses that really, as we've been saying, set the tone for this psalm. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Go out, friends, and pray the Psalms. Mm